0: The Yellow Line Studio. It's the Below the Yellow Line podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Below the Yellow Line Podcast. A guest that I am very excited to have on today, a man who has seen NASCAR, the Arkham and series for over three and a half decades, Brad Smith. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing good today. How are you
0: doing? Doing great. Doing good. Um good. I have some questions for you, but first, you announced some big news today uh, for your upcoming race this weekend. You guys have a new associate sponsor in Drillbrush, so uh, just tell us a little bit about that.
1: Well, our, our PR person working with uh, another media person uh, came across this deal. I don't know exactly how long they've been working on it, but uh, it's a one-race deal for DuCoin, and uh, they're going to be on the quarter panel of the car for the race. And uh, we're looking forward to representing them, and uh, maybe this will lead to something big for us in the future. And if not, hey, at least it's a good one race deal for us. That, uh, helps keeps us helps keep us on track.
0: Absolutely, it's always great, especially you know, in a series like ARCA, where the sponsor deals necessarily aren't as huge. It's always great to see a company and a team uh, work together because without sponsors, uh, you know, you couldn't do what you do, and and then by extension. I couldn't do what I do, so definitely appreciate uh, all the sponsors out there. So we'll be looking out for drill brush on the car this weekend. Um, as I mentioned in the open, you are a veteran of this sport, um, and it's interesting because I've interviewed a lot of a lot of like teenagers and young drivers in their twenties because that shows how much the sports change. You got guys in the Modified Tour and the ARCA series that you know don't even have a legal driver's license yet, but they have a NASCAR license, and that's okay. Uh, But how did you first get your start? What was kind of the catalyst for you to jump off into a career that spans so long?
1: Well, it's a long story, but if (laughs) you've got time, I can tell it to you. (laughs) Um, Way back when I was working at Chrysler and uh, I wanted to get into, uh, you know, the local racetracks running a Chrysler product. Uh, They were hard to find. And uh, I went and talked to a local engine builder and, uh, He recommended rather than spend the big money for a a new motor, that I go talk to Buddy Arrington, who was the last guy to run Chrysler's in NASCAR at the time, and see if he had an inexpensive used motor that we could use. And, of course, while we were down there in the corner of Buddy's shop, we saw an old uh, Chrysler Cordova. And uh, it was too old to run in NASCAR, but you could still run those in ARCA. So we went home. Signed a couple of those things in the mail that say you've been pre-approved for a loan, <laughs> and uh, got a few dollars through the mail, and went down and bought that car from Buddy Arrington, and uh, that's how we got started in ARCA. I mean, it was almost an accident or a coincidence, <laughs> and uh, we started there and we stayed
0: there ever since. That's awesome. That that's a great story. Buddy Arrington is one of those guys that when you look back through the pages of NASCAR history, he kind of gets lost, but. You know, there's so many guys out there that have great stories of him, and that's awesome to to add you to that list. Um, if there's one underrated legend of the sport, I could meet, Buddy Arrington would definitely be at the top uh, of my list. Um,
1: yeah, and he was very dedicated to Chrysler. So he that was. That <laughs> made him special to a lot of us guys that were Chrysler guys. That-
0: you do see a lot of uh, manufacturer loyalty nowadays. Everybody talks when you go to a super speedway about that, but back in the day, those guys were devoted. I was reading Bill Elliott's memoir the other day, and he talked about how uh, his dad would never let Bill drive anything but a Ford until it eventually got to the point where he had to when he drove a Dodge for Ray Everham. So um, awesome to see that manufacturer loyalty uh, popping back up again. Um yeah. The next question I have is, Is as a long-term, or not long-term, long-time veteran of the sport, like I said, over three and a half decades, and I believe you actually hold the record for the most consecutive starts in ARCA, what have you seen change the most? There's been so many changes in culture, car, horsepower, all that, but what is the one thing that kind of stands out that's changed the most?
1: Probably the amount of money it takes to stay right <laughs> these days. Um, you know, back when I first got into it, you could buy a used. NASCAR type car, uh, which was too old to run in NASCAR, but you could still run in ARCA. And uh, we could get those cars for pretty good deals. And, uh, you know, you could take your shot at Super Speedway racing. You know, ARCA was probably the lowest level that ran Daytona at the time and Talladega, and then eventually the intermediate tracks. So, uh, and it was not unusual to have 75 or 80 cars show up for a 40 car race. Um, but, you know, things have changed. The cars have gotten a lot more expensive. Uh, they're a lot safer. But uh, some of the rule changes have made it a bit more expensive. And, uh, you know, just hanging in there has, has been
0: tough for the smaller teams. For sure. The money that it, that's in the sport right now, it's it's a good and a bad thing. You know, it's good that there is so much money invested in the sport. But at the same time, you look at a smaller team, and some of them struggle. But, you know... Deals like Drill Brush this weekend coming on, I'm sure, um, help that a little bit. So moving on here, Brad, and um, and I just asked you what has changed the most in your 35 years of driving, but now switching over to the complete opposite side, what do you think has changed the least?
1: Uh, The fans, and I think the racers themselves, um, the racers are still dedicated I mean, you know, we, we'll do whatever it takes to get to a race, you know, just <laughs> short of selling our soul to the devil, I guess. But, uh, you know, that part hasn't changed. The enthusiasm hasn't changed. The fans are still loyal as hell. Um, even in this really divided political climate we have, um, it doesn't matter whether you're conservative, liberal, whatever. It, when you're at the racetrack, you're a race fan. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I just love seeing people walk around with different drivers t-shirts on you know you love seeing the little kids walk around in like nascar pajamas (laughs) um the people on the infield haven't changed you know if you go walk down on the infield and you're driving uniform they'll feed you they'll offer you a beer they'll you're like their best friend and uh i I enjoy that part of racing um and i appreciate what the fans do to get to the track too because it's gotten more tickets have gotten expensive Hotel rooms have gone crazy since the pandemic. Um, rooms we could use to get for sixty-five, seventy dollars a night now are closer to two hundred dollars, mm. and you know, if you're a family, that's that that's biting into your wallet pretty good. So the fact that you know the fans are still coming, I, I really like that, and uh, I'm glad that enthusiasm hasn't changed.
0: Yeah, NASCAR ran a great ad at the Daytona Five Hundred this year, talking about that. You know, the one thing that's never going to change is the anticipation and and the fans. And you know, you mentioning that, it just it makes me so happy as, as a fan. I mean, I technically, I guess, I'm a meaty person, but as a fan, just to see that, you know, you still see that, and you talk about, you know, regardless of political affiliation or any of that when you're at the track you're a race fan and that's the great thing about this sport is that it draws all of us together for one thing that we love and we're relatively niche as far as sports fans go but Mm -hmm. you know we are extremely loyal and and that's one thing that you really cannot take away from a racing fan um in in any series but especially uh here in the states uh in nascar i assume a lot of you have a lot of great memories and moments with fans, especially you know maybe in the infield. But do you have a favorite moment or memory from racing? I mean, there, there's there got to be a lot to choose from. But what is that number one standout moment?
1: You know, making going to Daytona and making the race for the first time. You know, you feel like hey, I'm I'm, I'm at least knocking on the door of the big time now, <laughs> and uh, that's pretty cool because. You know, a couple of years before that, I never dreamed I'd even be sitting in a race car, let alone, you know, racing at Daytona. Um, and, and, and you know, when I went to the driving school, I went to Buck Baker's school before. You know, we actually got the race car, and uh, when he told me he thought I had I had what it took to make it, he said, "Just go find yourself some sponsorship." That <laughs> felt good for somebody like Buck Baker to say that, and that uh, that was a real great moment so and again every track has its uniqueness you know its unique memories um people have ask me what my favorite track is and i'll be honest with you it's hard to pick one because they all have their little traditions mm-hmm. you know you go through the gate like we just went to milwaukee we hadn't been there in a few years but you know we love that place the the fans in wisconsin are great um, you go somewhere like Talladega and, you know, they just go crazy down there over racing. And uh, I, it's just, I don't know, the ambience of, of working with or, you know, being around the fans, uh, we really appreciate them being there. You know, it, it, it's not just about racing the car. It's the whole experience.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. Fans are, are such a big part of it. And I love that's what you keep coming back to. That's so awesome to hear. And, you know, especially somebody like you who's been doing it so long and has seen, you know, all these generations of fans come and go generations of car come and go. Um, so many great moments and, and memories I'm sure for you to pick from, but that's awesome. Um, you just talked about the great side, the good side of Talladega super speedway, but in 2015, Talladega kind of went the opposite way. I mean, uh, I'm not going to ask you to delve too deeply into that crash. I mainly kind of want to focus on your comeback and winning the spirit award, but what was it like? I guess I'll ask you, what was it like going through that crash and what was the recovery process like? What is it like to recover from something like that? Not only physically, but mentally you got back in a race car after crashing that hard in a race car. How do you have the mental courage to do that?
1: Well, I mean, you've heard the old saying, when the horse throws you, you got to get right back
0: up.
1: That's <laughs> pretty much the same thing with crashing on a race car. Um, I'll admit I was a little bit apprehensive the first time we got back in the car after that. Um, but, you know, you just have to have confidence in yourself. You have to have confidence in the car, confidence in your crew that, uh, you know, they're going to put a good piece under you. And uh, And I've had all that. So... You know getting back in the car wasn't that big of a choice i mean we knew we were coming back we weren't done but uh yeah it was a little bit of a harrowing experience you <laughs> know when i was heading for that wall and the throttle was stuck there was nothing i could do i thought i was dead i really did and uh you know when i was still conscious after the wreck i was actually quite surprised <laughs> but uh it just hurt a little bit and we you know we we went through and you know, did whatever the doctors told us to do to try and heal up and and come back.
0: That's wow. Uh, I can't imagine we you know we were watching Saturday night the, the cup race and we saw Ryan Priest barrel roll through the infield and and you know seeing you, your wreck. I I think I remember watching that race live. Um just incredible that you guys you know that shows that race car drivers are slightly insane. It's the good insane. Um but just to to come back. Um, I remember hearing an old story about David Pearson in the Southern 500, how he hit the wall so hard. He thought he was dead. He woke up though. And he thought he knew he was dead because his shoes had come off. And he'd heard that if a wreck was so hard, it knocked your shoes off. You're probably dead, but he saw his shoes. He was, he was still alive. And obviously he went on to build a hall of fame career. So thankfully he was okay. Thankfully you were okay. Alrighty. A couple more questions for you, Brad. Um, I, I've, I feel like i beat this dead horse into the ground a lot in this interview but you are a veteran you're a guy who's been driving not forever but for a long time so experienced um we, we talk about guys when you talk about guys at the most start we talk about the iron man terry labani we talk about you know ricky rudd but i believe you are the all-time consecutive start leader in arca I, our guy, like our young guys coming up in the garage area, and and asking you for advice. You know, what is it like to to be a guy that has been doing it for so long, is so talented, and has so much experience?
1: Well, usually you those young guys have crew chiefs and coaches, so they don't they don't necessarily have to ask <laughs> me how to do it. Um, uh, and they paid big money for those crew chiefs and for that advice. So, you know, they're going to take advantage of that. And a lot of my racing has been more at the back of the field. And it's a little bit of a different kind of race when you're a budget racer rather than <laughs> a all-out, you know, big team mm-hmm. racer. So, uh, you know, a lot of the guys that are getting into the sport that don't have a lot of money, you know, they'll they'll ask me some questions, you know, like, how do you do it and all that. And, uh, you know, I just tell them you got to learn to run to your budget. Mm -hmm. Um, I learned that from James Hilton. Um, When I was racing with James, I saw James do a couple of things that I didn't understand, (laughs) but then I eventually figured out why he did it. And I kind of started doing the same thing because, you know, at the end of his, his driving career, James didn't have any money. And so I just kind of did what he did. And then when he needed a driver and I started driving for him, I mean, I knew the routine, you know, there was just two of us that didn't have any money racing together. (laughs) So, you know, I knew we had to bring the car home in one piece, no matter what, you know, we didn't necessarily take foolish chances. Um, We didn't even take a lot of chances. We just sort of found our spot on the track. We raced with the guys that, had cars equal to us and didn't try and overdrive it. And uh, the big thing was just to not over rev or blow the motor and not crash the car. So that's a little bit different than the guys at front up front. You know, they're going for the win and uh, that's what they're paid to do. And that's what they're doing. And a lot of them do it pretty well.
0: <laughs> a lot of them do. And, and, and you have, you know, don't discredit yourself. You've done pretty well yourself. I mean, I was looking at your racing reference page earlier and the amount of, First of all, the amount of consistency and just how many races you've started, but a good amount of top 10 points finishes on there. A lot of top 15s, just solid runs in your top 10 in the points right now, I believe uh, in the, in the, uh, sorry, Arca Menard series. I, I almost wanted to call it the Goodies Dash series for a second, but that doesn't even exist anymore. Um, but thank right. you so much for coming on the show. Um, can't wait to watch you uh, again this weekend and with DrillBrush on the side of the car. But uh, if you want to thank any more partners and, and tell all the fans watching uh, where your next race is and maybe where we can see it.
1: Yeah, we're down in Duquesne uh, in Illinois. Where It's a one-mile dirt track. It's a great little track. Um, I'd love to thank the people at DrillBrush for you know getting on board with us for a race. Hopefully, we'll represent them well, and they'll be proud of what we do, and it helps them sell some product. And, of course, I'd like to thank my team. You know, they it's all volunteer people. They work just as hard as I do at it, and they don't get any of the glory, really. So i got to really give them credit for the success of this team and, for sure, the longevity of it.
0: For sure. Going to be a great weekend out there. Uh, love to see some, some Arca cars on a dirt track. Uh, we had Brayton Laster on the show, the pizza man on the show, a few weeks ago, and he's going to be running <laughs> that race as well this weekend. So it's going to be great to, yeah. to see a couple guys out there. Um, and best of luck to you and and the whole team, not just this weekend, but for the rest of the year, um, just keep doing what you're doing. Um, and, and just can't wait to see you, uh, keep doing it for many years to come. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely.